You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Take one. Knock, knock. Who does? We're Stephen and Dana and we can't believe you thought I'd look at podcast. Stephen and Dana, and we're in the room. Jason! Jason! <laughs> Burning sensation just confirmed! <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. Hi, Hi Stephen. Uh, just real quick up top. First of all, happy Earth Day. Donate to the NYRP if you can. It cleans up New York City. But if you don't live in New York City, donate to your local environmental fund. Yeah, like don't use plastic today. Plant a flower. Plant a tree for Israel. Well, by the time you're listening to this, it's long past Earth Day, but it is not long past your birthday, which is today in podcast time. This episode drops on my birthday, and this is the most special time of year for this 35-year-old. I love April so much. I love you so much. I love you so much. I also love... Um, <laughs> We're going very fast because our guest is super fancy and we don't want to waste any of his time. Exactly. Speaking of people we love, our friend Val threw a fierce Easter brunch. She did. And um, I have to say thank you publicly because I'm still full. And you made a knockout cheesecake, my I friend. I did. I was proud of that cake. It was very good. Uh, what else? I saw Harry Potter, parts one and two. You guys, the magic. Oh, keep the secrets. I'll keep the secrets. And I'm not even like a Harry Potter person, but please, 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 please go. It's It'll knock you out. Um, I also saw the Share Show. You've been delightful. very busy at the theater. So delightful. I have a lot of friends who have last minute, oh, my friend can't make it, want to come, and I, you know, get on that CE. And, uh, and you're anywhere in And I minutes. approach. And Share was there, you guys. More on that later. That was so exciting. I wept. I cried. People were hugging me in the bathroom. Like, are you okay? No. I've never seen her in person. At her own I, show. I, 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 I. At her own show. What else have I seen? Oh, we saw Gary. Did we talk about it? We talked about we it. We talked Gary. about it. We'll talk about it again. The end. Speaking of people who have risen, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Jerry Mitchell. <laughs> Jerry Mitchell. Hello. You know, this is a rising star in the Broadway community. We wanted to give him a shot on our podcast. Yeah. 
just to get his name out there, if you guys are looking for choreographers or directors. He's EMC. <laughs> you guys, he's got Such points. Such dicks. We're terrible. Um, EMC? Is that equity? Equity candidacy. <laughs> you have the points, but you haven't... You jumped in yet. quite joined the union. <laughs> yeah, because you're trying to get that contract that'll pay that initiation. Well, I practiced this at work today, but Jerry Mitchell has done, and yes, I printed these out. Okay, I'm just going to start with Broadway, right? Okay. okay. Pretty Woman the Musical, On Your Feet, Kinky Boots, Catch Me If You Can, Priscilla, Queen of the Dessert, <laughs> Legally Blonde, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, La Caja Full, Never Gonna Dance, Gotta Turn the Page, Gypsy, Imaginary Friend, you guys, Hairspray, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Nope, the Rocky Horror Show. That's the difference. The Full Monty, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, Grease, Three Men on a Horse, The Will Rogers Follies. You guys, Jerry Robbins, Jerome Robbins, Broadway, Jerry. On Your Toes, Woman of the Year, Brigadoon, Barnum. To name a few. Some of those I danced in. Some of those you yes. danced in. And then the ones that are more up top. Choreographer. I danced backstage. Yeah, and director, um, you're the Wizard of Oz. I mean, that's really my burning question. Obviously, we know that you had a performing career and that evolved into a choreography career. What I don't know is what that journey looked like, if it was always the plan, if it was something you learned you wanted to do after performing a while. What was your road? I was, I was a choreographer from about the age of eight. <laughs> Good time to start. I really was. I would choreograph in my hometown, then I choreographed in school, then I choreographed in college. Uh, directed also, but you know, just dance. Dance was certainly where I lived. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it brought me to New York. I danced, you know, in five Broadway shows and worked with the greatest choreographers and directors. And um, I think I was 23 when I was in On Your Toes, which was the last show. I said, no more. I'm not going to dance anymore. I'm going to focus on my choreography. Because there was a number in On Your Toes where Donald Sadler, who choreographed it, uh, Balanchine originally choreographed the ballets, and S Donald Sadler choreographed the new stuff. And there was a number, Bach, Beethoven, and Brahms, that wasn't quite clicking. And I sort of gave an idea to the producer, John Mauchery, who liked it, and said, oh, I'm going to share that idea with um, Donald. And, I shared it with Donald later, and so he sort of liked the idea, so we tried to incorporate it into the number. And it was such an interesting experience for me to see an idea become a number that I had a small part in, not, not a large part, but just a small part of the idea. And, um, and I thought, this is really what I want to do, so when I want to, wanted to focus on that. And plus, in all the shows I danced in, Working with um, Michael Bennett, working with um, you know Donald, working with learning the Balanchine ballets, working with Agnes DeMille, working with Ron Field, mm. uh, I want and eventually Jerry Robbins. I wanted to work with them more than I wanted to be in the show dancing. My focus just changed, and mm. so I started focusing on that full time. Went back to performing when I was thirty. Uh, for one show, The Will Rogers Follies, because my dear friend Jeff Calhoun was the co-choreographer with Tommy Toon and asked me to do it, and I said yes. And uh, it just was the right time in my life, which led to the creation of Broadway Bears, which was a huge, huge stepping stone and for me in my life. TikTok. I yeah, mean, TikTok. people are starting to <laughs> post that they are raising money. Seeing those Instagram photos. <laughs> yeah. No theme has been announced. No. But we're looking forward. Enough, you not here, not I the podcast. Now is to not break the time. News. Now is not the time. But um, 
Ooh, yes. Broadway Bears. Equity oh, fights yes. AIDS. Yeah, it's a huge, yeah, huge, 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 huge event here in town. Started 27 years ago, 92, I think, was the first one, and I did two that year, and six months apart. I did the first one at Splash. I got six other guys, and we Mm -hmm. danced, (laughs) each did a solo strip, and I choreographed an opening sequence. When we were trying to raise money for Easter Bonnet, find Uh interesting ways to raise money for Easter Bonnet, and my dressing roommates, um, John Ganon, uh, Troy, uh, Jason Offsall, Troy Johnson, um, uh, you know, they suggested uh, maybe maybe you should wear that Indian costume down to the bar and go on the bar and go-go dance. And literally a light bulb went off on my head. And I called some other guys who were in equally magnificent shape. I was in pretty good shape. Yeah, why not? Put <laughs> it to good use, I honey. Naked, I was naked in the Will Rogers Follies every night. So, you know, being in good shape was part of the gig. And uh, I put on a little show. We made about $8,000. I said, I can do this better. I'll add girls. I added girls <laughs> and did one six months later at Shout, which was where Urinetown played. Um, we raised about $17,000. And they said, I can do this better still. I'll do a theme. We changed, created a theme. The third one was the lusty month of May. It happened in May. And we did it at um, Bump, which is where um, the uh, uh, the W Hotel is now. That oh. was Bump, the disco there. And we were there two years. Then we were at um, the Palladium two years. Then we were at Webster Hall two years. Then we were at Roseland for many, many, many years. Yes, that was my first. And when Roseland closed down, we moved to the Hammerstein Ballroom. But, you know, we needed to find a place to accommodate the people. We get 6,000 people at Broadway Bears, two crowds of 3,000. Last year, we made $1.89 million in one night. So we it's a bump about, up from seven thousand. Yeah, we made about good for you about <laughs> seventeen million stripping, and uh, you know uh, it's a it's a good cause and it's absolutely so much it was money. a way to a way to um, it was the thing I wanted to do most. I wanted to give back to my community. I wanted to help my friends. And uh, it came about so organically. That's what's did. so surprising. It really did, and it was the perfect moment. Just that perfect moment in time when you're needed and you use your craft, you use your art, you use your what you have to um, create something and make a difference. And when is it this year? Uh, it'll be um, Father's Day this year. It's always it's always a week or two weeks after the Tonys. Okay. And uh, it'll be on Father's Day, the Sunday. And where can people get tickets? Well, you can go to BroadwayCares.com. Uh, BroadwayCares.org or BroadwayCaresEquityFightsAids.org. The tickets are up already. You can buy them. 930 They're or midnight. Set. They sell. They sell out. Yes, they do. Well, people travel. The VIPs sell out. And, and, I, and I, you know, uh, this is a big Pride Pride Month. Too, mm-hmm. So there'll be people in town for that who will come. And yeah, it's going to be a great I'm kind of scared because World Pride is in New York City this yeah, year. Very exciting. Guys, it's gonna be busy summer. Brace yourselves. Yeah. What's so clear to me about Broadway Bears is how much you still love doing it. Well, I it do. has I... not gotten old for you. It has not become obligatory for you. You love it with your whole heart. There's something very, very special that happens when the community comes together without any, um, uh, you know, any. 
bullshit. <laughs> sure. They come together for the cause. They come yeah. together for the event. They come together to be. Uh, it's one of those. It's the. I think it's one of the only events of the annual events where we cross pollinate. I say, mm-hmm. cast cast members from Cher can dance with cast members from Pretty Woman can dance with cast members from Brom. You can end up in numbers with people you don't know. And some of the greatest friendships and relationships started at Broadway Bears, where people met other people they never got a chance to say hello to. And what better way to do it when you're standing there in a G-string? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you better say hello. Oh, yeah. And get on everyone's good side. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's so much to talk about. I, know, I have no sort I wanna, of like, order. I want to give you the floor because... Yes. Well, I mean, I, I would love to talk about Kinky Boots for a second. It did sure. just close, but I was telling Dana on the way here, like, I've been in New York about 12 years, and I didn't realize that Kinky Boots has been a present part of that life for half. Yeah. Half the time. And that blows my mind, but it is so... I, I don't, I, I'm still feeling it closing, and as somebody who has nothing to do with Kinky Boots... <laughs> and yet um, everything... All my friends worked Yeah, we there. kind of it, met tangentially. It was, it's, yeah, it's played a very large role in the relationships I've made here. Yeah, well, any show that runs for six years, there's going to be a lot, a lot that comes along Those with that. Those ripples reach. Uh, it, it, it was a special, uh, it's, it is a special show. It's a very special show. Um, I, something I'm completely in love with. I uh, just got back from Japan, where we've mounted it for the third time. Sec- this is the second time in Japanese. The first time we did it in Japanese. Second time we were there with the American tour that went there and played um, uh, Tokyo and Osaka. And now this is the second mounting with the original first cast in Japan. The stars came back. Wow. And everyone came back. And uh, two only two people couldn't come back. And... Um, one person full-time and the other person is doing six performances and being covered by a new angel who's doing the other two. But basically, um, the show sold out for the entire run. They put it on sale one year before they, before they opened it because they knew that the two leads, Haruma and Tepe, were coming back and they are famous in Japan. One is a movie star, one was a boy band singer. I love that. And they're just sensational. They're great people. Cast is wonderful. The culture over there is so special. Mm. They treat you so uh, beautifully. Mm. Really, really love love what they do, and uh, it's very special. You've had a lot of international success. I mean, Hairspray has been in God knows how many languages, and yeah. Kinky Boots, and Legally Blonde. Kinky Boots even more than Hairspray, surprisingly. More success. How does one, uh, I mean, translating a show and teaching a show with a language barrier. Well, I have two amazing associates who have been with me through the whole run. D.B. Bonds is my associate director and Rusty Mallory, my associate choreographer. They have done most of those companies. I come in at the beginning and the end to add that thing that, thing that mm-hmm. they want me there for. And, uh, but D.B. and Rusty are there through most of the translation. In Germany, where we're getting ready to do the first uh, international production of Pretty Woman, I'm working with the same people, the people at Stage Entertainment, and you get a back translation where they translate the script in their language, and you see it all, and then you ask questions of the translator, and then Mm. they help you arrive at the script that will be performed. Same thing with Japan. 
The funniest story of that is actually Legally Blonde. When we did Legally Blonde in Vienna, they did not think gay or European would be funny <laughs> in Vienna. And I said, but okay. it's such a funny number. They said, well, we're European. It won't be funny here. Gay or French will be funny here. And I said, oh, okay. Fair enough. So they translated it to basically gay or French. And the audience was going absolutely hilariously laughing. And I was, I was like, I don't believe it. But there you have it. You know, that you have to yeah. trust that the translator is able to understand your language, but also understand how that language works in their language. And then there's some trust there, and you get into previews usually, and you see how it lands. Mm -hmm. And that was an, always a phenomenal, funny, funny translation story for me that I still to this day think, oh, that's just... <laughs> you gotta change the perspective. Yeah. A little bit. What was your first show to go international? Was it... Uh, I think the first one was the Full Monty, actually. I mean, we went to uh, Australia mm. with the Full Monty. We went to London with the Full Monty. We did, we did Broadway, we did a national tour, then Jack and I went to London with the original boys from uh, New York, with the exception of Patrick Wilson, who didn't go. He got, he, I think he might have been doing his first movie, and uh, Jared Emick did, his, did, his, did Jerry. And then we went to Australia with an entire Australian company. Matt Hetherington played Jerry in Australia, who won Best Actor, and Matt is now playing the father for me in my next musical here in America called Becoming Nancy. He now lives here with his wife. They live in Brooklyn and their kids. And uh, he's been cast as the father in Becoming Nancy. I'm so excited. It's really thrilling. That's another thing I love mm -hmm. about your shows is um, the, the sense of loyalty and yes, family. Yes, You, it appears, you don't work with people that don't, get it that aren't of the cloth well i will say i fall in love i fall in love with actors i always fall in love with actors and if i'm working with someone and they come in with the same sensibility that i come into the room with which is a full out sensibility no no <laughs> Hashtag full out. you full said out it yes and every time he and, says it you drink and yes. i i expect it i i wouldn't requested of anyone if I didn't bring it myself. And so it, um, those people who come in and have that sort of joy to be in the room creating something, particularly something new, are people I fall in love with. And I'm always looking for ways to work with those people again mm. because I feel like they'll always come through for me. Do you hear those bubbles, Stephen? Oh, I hear them. How sweet it is. From the makers of White Girl Rosé and Babe Rosé comes the hilariously delicious Pink Party Rosé with Bubbles. The misfits over at Swish Beverages, which includes Instagram comedian The Fat Jew, have made us all lose our shit over their newest rosé. Pink Party Rosé is sponsoring In the Room with Stephen and Dana because, well, if there's not a two-drink minimum, are you really in a room? With notes of honeydew and cantaloupe, this very pink blend of Sauvignon Blanc and Zinfandel is actually pretty good. It is what I'm drinking all summer. It is a sparkling rosé, gives you all of those bubbles, and is so refreshing for an outdoor summer treat. Is it what I'm drinking right now, Stephen? Why? 
I can tell by its pink hue that it is. This bottle does not have a face for podcasting. It has a face for Instagram. So buy it, drink it, pose your face off with it, lip sync for your life with it, and tag it at We Brought Wine. That was like Rosé Boppet. I don't think it's asking too much. It's a very reasonable price point. It is delicious. It's a very large bottle. I feel like it's bigger than most rosé bottles. Oh, interesting. It is a girthy bottom. Yeah, I said it. There is some quality literature on the label. They know their audience, and they are appealing to you every step of the way. Dana, when do you drink rosé? All the time. I think you're supposed to say all day. (laughs) Ask me again. Dana, when do you drink rosé? All day. Make every gathering a soiree with Pink Party Rosé. Cheers. Cheers. Pink Party. Pink Party. Pink Party! With bubbles. Avec Buble. It's a pink party, baby. (laughs) I drink rosé all day, bitch. Rosé all day. Rosé, then slay. Rosé, and then I slay. Hey! Bring me my rosé. That's chicken frying in the background. Pink party! I wasn't gay until I had a sip of rosé and then everything changed. Drunken? Drank. Drunk? Oh, rosé. Oh, my fried chicken is ready. Hold on. You're never gonna make it in this town with a voice like that. Might as well drink up, honey. Can you talk about becoming Nancy? For sure. A little bit? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna premiere at the Alliance uh, this summer. We start rehearsals in July and we go down there in August and finish up rehearsals and we'll start here in the city. We'll go down there. We'll be there for I think it's a five-week run. It starts in late August, early September, runs to the beginning of October. Uh, it is a fabulous novel, which happens to be on this table right here. You can't Ooh, see it, but it. written by Terry Ronald. I needed um, something to read. I was in London doing either Kinky Boots or Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but I was in London. Uh, I was coming back, and I had seen all the movies on the plane, and I finished my last book. <laughs> what am I going to do for eight hours? And I ran to the bookstore. I read in the Gay Times a little blurb about this book. I said, oh wow, that sounds, I read about four and I said, that one sounds interesting. I'd like to read that. Ran down to the Waterstons, is it Waterstons? And uh, they had one paperback copy left. And I read it. Poetic. And on the way, uh, on the, I got off the plane and I called Mark Sendroff, who's my lawyer, and I said, get me the rights to this book. It took us about a year to do it uh, because the wow. book was being uh, um, courted by Hollywood people to make into a film, but Terry Ronald happened to be a fan of Legally Blonde and Hairspray. He's a musical director in his own right, and when he heard that I had interest in turning it into a musical, he was very excited, and we uh, agreed and met and uh, have been become great friends. He's been a wonderful friend of the court. Uh, Styles and Drew are writing the music. Elliot Davis is writing the book. Uh, Hal Luptig, Kristen Kasky, Mike Isaacson, who 
who uh, produced Legally Blonde, and Mike and Kristen, who gave me my Broadway debut as a choreographer in Charlie Brown, mm. how with them as a Broadway debut as a director choreographer with Legally Blonde are producing, and with the Alliance, that's where we're going to start. Um, so it's really, you know what the book's about? I don't. Oh my God, it's such a fabulous story. <laughs> it's funny. I'm immediately funny. putting it it's, in my Amazon funny. Prime It's, it's funny, it's cart. wonderful, it's charming, it's necessary. Mm. Um, it is a story of a young boy, David Starr, 1979 East Dulwich. Uh, he has a best friend who is a black girl. Uh, they don't, they're not called African American in, mm -hmm. in London. She's a young black girl. It's the race riots which are happening. Mm. It's 1979. He auditions for the school musical, Oliver, so does Francis, and none of the girls can sing, and so he gets cast as Nancy. He starts to have feelings for the boy who gets cast as Bill Sykes, Maxie Boswell, who's a transfer student, who's also the head footballer. And it's about how the parents and teachers react to what's happening with the kids uh, as well as what's happening with kids reacting themselves. But it's also about the parents and teachers and how they deal with the situation all around the rehearsals of uh, uh, Oliver the Musical, which is... Bay you never it's see so Oliver in the show. It's all just little bits and pieces. Sure. But um, it's basically about these two boys and their lives. It's coming-of-age story. It's so funny and so charming and so witty. And I hope we can Ooh. get it on that stage. That sounds like... <laughs> Sounds like a you type show. Yeah, it's really it's really special. You do I have such wait. a good eye for material. How yeah. much of that comes to you, and how much do you seek out? Um, I I look for things that I really love. I look for things that I really love, and people send me stuff, and I read it and look at it, and if I don't really love it, I it's such a it's such a job to do a new musical. It's like shopping. You never love it more than when you're in the store. <laughs> yeah, it's such a job to do a new musical. It takes so much. Uh, it, it's, you know, you see the finished product, but getting to there, getting there. It's, years. It's years sometimes. It's, uh, it's always years. It just depends. Is it seven years or three years? Depends on how fast everybody's writing and everyone's availability. But um, it, is a, it is a very special, special show and special story excited about it. You've, I've seen Kinky Boots five times. Thank you very much. Um, the most I've seen any Broadway show. Shout out to Natalie Joy Johnson. Yeah, shout out to Selling Natalie. those tickets. <laughs> um, this is a segment we like to call, What Do You Think Jen Perry Is Doing Right Now? <laughs> um, first time we've ever had this segment. Um, actually, I know the answer. I think she's at I an audition today because she posted oh. a picture. Um, but it's six o'clock. She must be home. She's kicking she's it with Wayne. A glass of wine by now. <laughs> she's kicking it with Wayne. I'm so jealous. She gets to hang with Wayne. Um, I want to talk about your films for a minute. I mean, this is a deep grab. Uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous yeah, is choreographed by Jerry Mitchell certainly with is. Pam Remler's little feet. <laughs> the dance double for Kirsten Dunst. That would be my, like, I'm at a party and I don't know anybody and Tiffany and Brooke Egan were in school in Minneapolis <laughs> and I hired them to be in the film in a segment tap dancing and they said they were going to come to New York and go to school came to I think they both went to NYU 
and now have both been in Hairspray and Legally Blonde and Kinky Boots and other shows for me. And it's just kind of crazy. How did your um, choreographing for film happen? How did well, that... I was in the Will Rogers Follies and I um, was dancing in the show and I got a call to go meet a director and a producer at 750 7th Avenue after the show at 11 o'clock. They're filming a scene. They're looking for a choreographer and they'd like to meet me. So the agent sent me over there. It was 11. I walk in. There's a big red car, sports car. I don't know cars. Um, <laughs> and I'm going, wow. And this is like the showroom for this expensive sports car. 750. They cleared out the lobby and parked these cars right in the middle of the lobby. <laughs> I go around the corner. I meet this wonderful man, Marty Brest and this wonderful producer, Ron Schwari, and they say, we're working on a movie, and we have a dance sequence with a particular star, and we're having real trouble, and we're he's taking lessons, but we're not learning any, we're not choreographing anything, and we need help. Would you come to the dance lesson tomorrow? And I said, sure. So I go to uh, Dance Sport, and, and there is Al Pacino taking an authentic tango class. And I go, well, he's taking class, but he's not learning steps that he can then repeat on camera in a scene. So uh, Paul Pellicoro was working with him as a tango instructor, and I came on as a choreographer and put pieces of the the steps together and worked you know, with the Laurel and Hardy, really. I said, it's got to be repeatable for Al Pacino. He's playing a blind sure. guy. He's got to do four eights in a row. 42 times from 10 to <laughs> And so we worked on it, and uh, Gabrielle Anwar didn't show up until like a day before filming, but she was a dancer. And we put it together, and that was the first film I, wow. I worked on as choreographer. And obviously, because the film was very successful and that tango became such a big part of the story, I got a lot of calls mm. from a lot of stars who were dancing in films and wanted someone there to help. Um, and Meryl Streep, One True Thing, uh, uh, Kevin Klein, In and Out. One of my out favorite there. films Hilarious. of all Hilarious. time. I mean, what a, what a, what, both of them amazing. Amicio uh, uh, Black, Anthony Hopkins, Slow Dancing with Claire Forlani. Yeah. Um, uh, and then dropped it gorgeous. The object of my affection with Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd. That whole Stop dance sequence on. was created. It wasn't on the page. Nick Heitner came to me and said, "I want to do his dance sequence. I don't know what to do. What do you got?" And I said, "Well, we could go through like dance class, and you know." And so we did. We created that with the cinematographer. It wasn't on the page, and then. You're such a goddamn collaborator. It was, it was really wonderful. It was really wonderful. And um, and then Hairspray Live, which isn't a film, but it is a film. Yeah. I, a film. I mean, talk about that more. You're doing a musical, which you know how to do so well, and it's being filmed live for broadcast. How yeah. is that different? Well, I had to, I had to bring, I had to... I mean, the choreography was one thing. I knew the choreography, I knew all that, but it was the, all the information about how to make it work, how many people, where are they going to stand, how are we going to get them from this lot to that lot in the time when you go from Good Morning Baltimore to and they're running into the studio and they're running on golf carts and, you know, how, oh all of that stuff. But Kenny was amazing, who directed mm -hmm. it. And Craig 
Craig and Neil, God bless Craig, uh, mm -hmm. were spectacular. Bark and Scott, of course, and all the stars were, they were all game for it. Most of yeah. them I've, I've worked with at one point before. Sure. Um, so it was just fun. It was a really It looked like one, fun. And Harvey, you know, it was a wonderful experience. You and Harvey go back quite some time. Well, Hairspray was the beginning, and then Lacage, mm -hmm. and then Kinky, and Hairspray Live, and who knows what's next. He's such a good <laughs> book writer. I mean, he's, he's, obviously he can perform. He's one of the best we have, if not the best. And he knows musicals better than anyone. And he loves musicals. Yes, he does. We all do. We love Come them. on. <laughs> you love Broadway. You have to. Big time. You have to. Yeah. If you don't love it, it won't love you back. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Not with the garbage. It's just, it's like seeping into me. And I'm like, now do I love Broadway? Um, I do. I, I do, actually said almost exactly that about Kinky Boots, kind of in my, my, my ode to Kinky Boots on the closing. I kind of realized it was maybe the first show to love me back as an audience member. I say I, I say to the casts when I travel, uh, I where, wherever I see a show, I say you have the opportunity to send a tsunami of love out to the audience with this. But this, but the amazing thing is that if you do it and you do it full out with your heart, completely in it, that tsunami is going to come right back and get you, and you feel mm -hmm. that on stage as a performer yes, because the message affects people in a very big way. Kinky Boots happened at the perfect time. The perfect oh. time. Gay marriage wasn't a part of this. Yep. Uh, uh, there were people who just didn't know how to accept themselves, let alone a character like Lola. And that's what the whole show's about. Accept yourself and you'll accept others too. Change mm -hmm. the world when you change your mind. And, you know, it's very basic and very simple, but it's very necessary. And, it, and it's necessary again and again still, even though the show's closed. There are going to be so many people doing the show, so many Absolutely. already popping up because the message is such a positive message and a message that's needed in those little pockets of America more so than in anywhere. Thank God for the Muni. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's such a fun family show too, like yeah. with a with an edge, yeah. you know. I think it's going to live a long music time. Is obviously. spectacular. It's such yes. a good score. It's not just good music. It's not just good songs. It is a good, cohesive score, underscoring every... Do you remember when Cindy Lauper had her reality TV show and parts of those episodes were her trying to figure out how to write this musical? <laughs> I don't know. I was I obsessed with whole, it. I never watched that whole She's show. She's like, now I, I, don't, I can't do her, but I mean, it was, can. it was hilarious because it didn't exist yet i'm like oh this show she she's struggling so hard <laughs> good luck i mean it was so funny yeah. so funny now i give it a <laughs> i wish i could do it right now but i can't um you've worked with rock stars i have did you feel like that was in your future when you started Broadway? uh no definitely not <laughs> i mean cindy 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 lover uh, bright adams gloria yeah. stefan gloria stefan Come on. Now, uh, Brendan, who was in Kinky Boots. Oh, yes. oh I didn't really work with, him. The boys with him, but he was sensational. Uh, um, lots of them in Kinky Boots. We had a lot of performers who came in. Uh, David, uh, uh, Brendan, uh, uh, Tyler. Um, uh, uh, oh, God. I know. 
I'm just like Wayne Brady. Yeah, Wayne Brady. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a rock star in his own right. Yeah, he certainly is. Todrick. Todrick. Todrick, that's right. I saw him do it. I did. Um, did you have to bridge that gap for them into working in well, theater? Well, Wayne had done theater before, a lot of theater. Yeah. He had a show in Vegas when I did Peep Show in Vegas. I knew him from there. I knew him actually from a, a, a little... Uh, Disney movie I did called Geppetto with Drew Carey and Wayne was in it. Seen it. And I choreographed that and that's where I first met Wayne. I saw that too. With Julia Louis-Dreyfus, right? Yes, the Blue Fairy. We sold a poster at the Kinky Boots table (laughs) of the Broadway. Full circle, ladies and gentlemen. Geppetto. Yeah. Write so that down. so um so yeah Wayne Wayne had theater experience the others didn't necessarily on Broadway but they came ready willing and able and that's half the battle yeah. right if they've got the talent to sing it and act it the moves were easy enough to teach to anybody really they are mm-hmm. uh, and and um, they just gotta want to be in it. And there's something, there was something very special that happened with that show at the theater because of the message. It, it, uh, it seeped into the walls. Literally, it seeped into the, the building. Mm-hmm. You couldn't work on Kinky Boots if you were an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because nobody would deal with it. So everybody came into that theater. In, literally, I, I really mean this. In all the shows I've done... I never had a company that has remained so positive so long and in, with so many changes of the guard uh, it, and, and so helpful to each of those people who came in. The cast, the company embraced every single person who came in. And again, that tsunami, it, it went both ways. And uh, it was truly a spectacular um, six years at that theater, really. Congrats. Thank you. We've it was. It, it was already. heartbreaking to see that marquee change. Just like, <laughs> just, well, Moulin Rouge is going to be spectacular. Also. Yes, and Aaron, my it is. baby, my my buddy Aaron, I can't wait to cheer him on. The pictures look out of control. I did not get to go to Boston to see it, but those photos. Are yeah, it looks like Derek McLean did a great job. Can't wait. Um, so you have 87 Tony Awards? Uh, I yes. might be missed. 87. I counted. Um, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I have six losses and two wins. Woo! Um, you have some drama desks, Olivier nominations. Yes. Fantastic. They're all fun. They're all fun. They're all fun. They're just fun. The first it's one, all gravy. The first one is, is always, will always remain, at the first nomination, the Full Monty, will remain as the most shocking and surprising, right? I was working with Mark Shaman on the set of Marcy X uh, and with Lisa Kudrow, Vian Cox, Jane Krakowski, and Sherry Renee Scott filming a song called In the Butt. In, with Stephen and Diane? In the Butt. What, what? In the butt. In the butt. What, what? In the butt. <laughs> um, so, basically... I believe um, Lisa Kudrow's father runs a... Runs, own, he's a big multi-billionaire or whatever, and he has a record company that is in charge of this really 
dirty rap artist. Oh my God. And he has a heart attack, and his daughter, who is a Jewish American princess, has to take over the record label, and she has to make friends with this rap artist and get him to not say such dirty things. Of course, we're at the performance, and he's saying, singing his song in the back. It was hysterically funny, and uh, and Paul Rudd, Paul Rudnick wrote it. It was oh my god, we need to watch this tonight. It was literally anyway. It was one of those. But anyway, that I was just we were sitting genre. there, and Mark Shaman, of course, the king of computers, yes. was on computers the day of the Tony nominations, and I get nominated for the Full Monty, and he he says you got nominated, and that's how you found out. Yeah, I found out. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. And I literally didn't even think about it. I wasn't thinking about the Tony nominations. I wasn't thinking about I could possibly get nominated. I don't I don't remember. I was just focusing. I was filming this big number that day, and I was on the set. And, uh, yeah, that was that was the first nomination. Full I'll never Monty. forget that, that moment. <laughs> who announced um, your first win? Like, who gave you your first Tony? I think it was uh, who played Sweet Charity the revival. Um, Christina uh, Applegate. Christina yep. Applegate. I think it was. Chris, good Paul. Good Paul. I think it was Christina Applegate and two of the. Uh, no, it was Christina Applegate and Tommy Tune, or maybe it was just Ooh. her. It was just her. It was. I, I know that that nomination. This is a very interesting story and a funny story. There were four. Nominees, myself for for uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, myself for La Caja Full, Wayne Salento for Sweet Charity, and Casey Nicklaw for Spamala. What a year. Now, yourself, reason, yourself? I was nominated twice. And usually when you get nominated twice, you never win because you split the vote. Sure. But um, that's what Jules Fisher told me. <laughs> but... Uh, the, the, the story that's funny about it is that I was choreographing Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. We were at the Old Globe. I was also supposed to choreograph Spamalot. And Spamalot and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels were suddenly on the exact same track for Broadway. Same opening in the spring. Da, 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 da. And I couldn't do it. And um, Bill Haber uh, was producing uh, um, with Bob Boyette. And they called me and said, we can't seem to land on a choreographer. Who should we hire? And I said, well, I just, I was part of Dance Break, which is a program run by the SDC Foundation to introduce young people who want to choreograph to producers. And Casey had done two numbers in Dance Break, and they were spectacular. And I said, you know what? You should have Casey meet with Mike Nichols because Casey just did two fabulous numbers. I think he's brilliant. I think it'll happen. I think he's perfect for Mike. He's been through Broadway. He's not a kid. He understands musicals. He knows how to tech a show. Have him meet with Casey. Met with Casey at lunch and hired Casey. Casey left two bottles of wine and a card <laughs> at my apartment. Bill, sent, Bill and Bob sent me a Steuben glass vase. Everybody was happy. Cut to the Tony Awards, <laughs> Mike and Casey, myself, and Jack O'Brien were all nominated. Mike wins director, I win choreographer for 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 um, Lacage, not even Dirty or Spamalot. Mm -hmm. So it was just such a weird sort of how 
the world works. Welcome to Broadway. And and Casey has since evaporated. And, yeah, you know, evaporated. we don't know where Not he's been. working at all, but someone him. look him up. Absolutely, love him to death, and and think the world of him. I mean, it's if scary. that's not what the Broadway community is all about, pay it forward. I don't. Yeah. But you know, the awards are the awards are fabulous, but they're also an award. Work. And I think it was Frank Langella gave a wonderful speech about winning when he won a Tony and something about this is fabulous. But tomorrow it's it's just another day. Mm-hmm. And I thank you, thank you, thank you for the acknowledgement, but. It's tricky because how do you compare? How do you compare? How do you compare the work? I, I, Absolutely. I, I think that's really the, the hardest thing. Absolutely. I've voted for stuff. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, B. <laughs> if you have Maybe to Maybe C this time. Listeners, we have entered into an illicit partnership with the folks over at Broadway Crew. Broadway who? Broadway Crew! Broadway Crew is the trusted name in New York City when it comes to Broadway and off-Broadway tickets. With a full-time presence at TKTS and Times Square, come see them to get the scoop on the best. (laughs) Go get your scoop! Honey, two scoops! Come see them to get the scoop on the best tickets at the best prices. Their mission is to match every person to their show and to raise you up and elevate the art of in-person theater promotion. They are offering In The Room listeners $55 off tickets to King Kong on Broadway. You can use code KK as in King Kong, PNM as in perfectly normal mammogram 928 only at telecharge.com. We saw it. And it was a spectacle. And I went in skeptical. And this skeptic was turned into a spectic. Follow them on Instagram at Broadway Crew or check them out online at broadwaycrew.com. I would like to ask about choreography in general. Yeah. As someone who maybe is listening to this podcast, who auditions for things, and choreography is kind of scary... Do you have a gentle suggestion of how to make it not scary? Um, you know, there are different types of choreography and there are different mm. types of choreographers. And choreographers can be very scary people because they can be very demanding <laughs> and very, do it again! You know? Well, and especially to maybe a non-dancer in yeah, a room. Yeah, yeah, An actor who um, moves. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with some of the greatest choreographers when I was young. Agnes DeMille, Ron Field, Michael Bennett, Jerry Robbins, just to name a few. Yeah, seriously. And wedding choreographers, dancers used to come into the room, say nothing, learn, and do what the choreographer said. And it's different. The world's changed. It's evolved. Uh, The creative process changes. And every choreographer, like I said, is different. Um, but dance comes from a very disciplined uh, uh, beginning. You know, you go to the bar every day and you learn, you take bar or you take class and it's a discipline, right? It's one of the, one of the three forms of musical theater, acting, dancing, and singing, that fades the quickest if you don't do the upkeep, mm-hmm. right? The, 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 the steps 
fade quickly, the moves fade quickly, the mind fades quickly, the ability to pick up quickly fades quickly. Yes. So you have to constantly challenge yourself in dance in order to stay at the top. Um, some, some people just do that by constantly working. Others do that by constantly going to class and working occasionally. So when I have an audition for dancers, if I'm looking for hard-ass dancing, I get hard-ass combinations. If I'm looking mm -hmm. for movers, it's a little bit more, I'm a little bit more relaxed. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, for me, dancing is part of the character, right? It's, if Jerry Robbins once said, you know, the, dance, the steps in West Side Story are nothing like the steps in Fiddler on the Roof because the characters are different. Yeah. So your job as a choreographer is to create the steps that fit the character, not to do just a step for any character. Now, Fosse was an exception to that rule, right? Because he had 12 steps that worked for every character. And spectacularly, mm -hmm. right? Spectacularly. Yes. So it, it just depends on who the choreographer is and how they interpret the moves, uh, you know? And uh, he was brilliant. He was brilliant, and um, and and I just feel that for me, I'm always looking for the character's truth in the choreography. So that's what I'm looking for, and trying to use that to tell the story. So if you're auditioning for something, and you can inform yourself about what the character you're going in for. I'd rather see somebody make a big mistake. Yes. Yeah. And go for it, then somebody, you know. <laughs> this is how my character go, oh, falls. I, I can't do it because you can yeah. do it, and I can. Yeah. My job as a director and choreographer is to get you there. When you come into the room, your job is to show me how close you can get without my help, right? And then I have to make a decision: can I get them the rest of the way, or is it going to be too hard? for me to get them up to, say, the pace to the person next to them. Or is the person next to them who's doing it perfect doesn't have the wit that I want. You know, when I was casting the angels, um, I had two angels who could dance the roof off the place, Paul Kanan and Charlie Sutton. And then I had four angels who moved very well and sang the shit out of the score, <laughs> yeah. right? Now, yeah. Paul and Charlie can sing, but they danced the shit out of the piece. Yeah. And the others were great movers who sang the shit out of the piece. But I needed, and, and, and they had senses of, all of them had a sense of humor. I was looking yeah. for, I was looking for sass, wit, flash, great voices, great dancing that I could get there, and, um, but individuality. Those six angels are all individuals. They yes. each have a moment to step out in the show, and that I love that part too. Yes, I'm glad you brought up Paul Kanan, past guest of this podcast last <laughs> year, and he told us all about uh, the original production and all oh, yeah. these. And I think um, what you were just saying about the the movement, telling the story, and creating these moves for the purpose of the story and for the character, and not just for your arsenal of dance moves that you yeah. made up. Yeah. Um, well, the moves are meaningless if you don't understand what's behind the moves. They're just moves, right? Absolutely. So I, I as a kid, uh, of course, was in love with West Side Story when I was 12, 13, 14. I must have seen the movie a hundred times. And I wanted to do 
those moves. And I would do them over and over and imitate what I saw uh, wherever I saw the movie. Uh, finally, I was in a production when I was 14, and the choreographer of that production did some of the moves from the movie. And then I did a production when I was 17 with the Young Americans. I was still in high school, and I toured the United States in the West Side Story, and Jimmy Bates choreographed it, who had been uh, Baby John in one of the major productions, and he taught us some of the original choreography. So I learned more of the original choreography. Cut to working with Jerry Robbins, and then finally learning it from Jerry Robbins, and learning what was behind every move and every step. Suddenly I had, I had the glossary that I was missing mm. that explained the steps. Mm. And so part of my process, the, the internet has changed our world. Yes. As, as performers, because we for can, better or worse, we, for better, I think for better, because we can go immediately and see a visual aid of how it is supposed to be performed. Let's say we're doing the Cher show and we want to see how Cher performed. So mm -hmm. I'm sure Stephanie looked at old videos. I'm sure she looked at old movies and old things that you can find. So as a choreographer, my work, the MTV showing of Legally Blonde, mm -hmm. it's all there. It's all there. And if a kid wants to copy my choreography, they can. But Google Courtney Take Your Break on YouTube. You'll see. Oh. You'll see 38, 38 productions copying <laughs> that little section of the show. Oh, yeah. Even where a boy plays plays the shop girl. So yeah. um, it's brilliant. And it's flattering. But what I wanted to do with the original production was help them understand what I was doing, what was the thought, not just from me, from the performers who performed it, Laura Bell Bundy, Andy, Orfei, they're all yeah. on the original production of Legally Blonde talking about what it was to create it's a character. Fabulous. So what I wanted to do was create a, um, a tool that would show you the steps, but also coach you and collaborate with you on making your production the very best it could be at your school, your community theater, wherever you're doing it. And so we're doing that with shows, uh, lots of shows, not just my shows, but a lot of shows. It also protects the choreographer's intellectual property right, sure. which is a lovely thing to do too. But but more importantly, it is, I'm hoping, educating kids who might be the next Broadway choreographer about, it's not just about making up a step, it's what for me, it's the storytelling that goes along with it, and the character development, hopefully. Sure, just the the, the education base yeah. of that. It's I mean, it the fills my heart. that make the cookbook. Think about your high school drama teacher. Like, we didn't do a lot of musicals because our drama head was not musically savvy. And also, Quite like, dance. the idea of choreographing it's a bunch of high on. schoolers yeah. Yeah. sounds more difficult than... And the gym teacher ends up with the job, and so what do I do, right? What do I do? You're taking the stress okay. off. Yeah. You're saying, here's, here's, what you here's this thing. Like, for instance, in, in the Hairspray, I remember one of the things, meaning collaborating with them, I explained, I said, no, on Broadway, I had 10 nicest kids in town. You may have 25 in your school, so use them all. I said, take the step and make your own you. formation, make your own... Circles, make your own thing. But these are the steps. Use the steps. Sure. Here's what the steps meant. This was from the, the 60s, 1962. 
this was a pony, this was a this, this was a that. Use the steps, but now make your own formations, make it work for your, your production. Well, you know it's my dream to learn the jump rope <laughs> combination. You can, you can buy the video and you can learn it yes. at your own speed and pace. Thank God. I mean, that's the thing. Is I, we get all of these letters and comments from teachers and students in, in Instagram posts. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they're, they're on cloud nine because they feel like they're doing the broad the real thing. stuff. And they've actually been challenged to you know, rise to the occasion and learn it as best they can. And Broadway becomes something they feel they can reach because yeah. here's the Broadway choreography. You're doing Broadway choreography. Yeah. First time I did oh, Chorus God, Line girl. was the first time I did that and I thought, oh my <laughs> God, I get to do the real thing? Where's my Tony? <laughs> what? But, I mean, it made a huge impact on me. I wish I had that when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. Come on. Uh, we have another segment. It's rapid fire questions. Rapid fire. And the not so rapid fire is like, everyone I like does to call stretch it. them out, but feel free to not stretch them out. <laughs> uh, what was your last frivolous purchase? Last frivolous purchase um, uh, in Japan. <laughs> of course. Souvenirs. Anything. Uh, last first thing you did. Last first thing I did. I made a new recipe. Ooh, pin. I'll ask you about it later. Hot dogs or hamburgers? Hamburgers. Sparkling or flat? Sparkling. Who's your favorite Mama Rose and Gypsy? I know that's the meanest well, question on the list. That's a very mean question, really. Uh, I'm going to say Bernadette, who I worked with. Um, memorable onstage mishap, either as a performer or you're out in the house watching something in previews and... Me, the Will Rogers Follies, end of act one, opening night, I dropped my suitcase. <laughs> uh, what are you currently obsessed with? Uh, I am obsessed with becoming Nancy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was your high school mascot? The Redskins. If you had to change your first name, what would you choose? Chad. Ooh. What's your drag name? Isn't it your dog in your home address or something? I think the equation is your first pet and the street, the first street you lived on. Skippy, or one that Skippy you just Lake like. Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. Um, who is somebody you would love to work with that you have not yet? Oh. Someone I'd love to work with that I have not yet. Ooh. Hmm. Um. Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones. Who I've met twice. I saw him in a play and he was spectacular. Didn't see that coming. The world is your oyster. Favorite book or author? Uh. Terry Rommel. Uh, sweet or savory? Savory. Uh, can you cook? Really well. That gorgeous kitchen. Uh, Maggie Smith or Judy Dench? Maggie Smith, who I choreographed in Curtain Call. Well, Another this film. podcast is okay, over because both hosts are dead. <laughs> But I love them both. I just passed out. It's the, another mean question. Um, what was the last sub subway line that you rode? Last subway line, E. 
what's your astrological sign? Capricorn. Um, you can have lunch with three people, not Broadway people. One living, one dead, one fictional. Fred Astaire. Not a Broadway person, but is a Broadway person, really. Fred Astaire, Hillary Clinton, and uh, Mayor Pete. We need a fictional person. Oh, a fictional person. Oh, but I'll take both of them. Um, good a answers. Fiction, a fictional person, Betty Boop. Um, what is a performance that inspired you as a kid? As a kid, uh, Gene Kelly in every film he ever did. <laughs> and the last question. Do you know what the most beautiful thing in the world is, Jerry? A shoe. Well done. <laughs> well done. We have one more segment. We do. We ask everybody. Hi, ho! There are seven very well-known dwarves in history. If you were the eighth, what would your name be? Fallout. Fallout dwarf. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, that was perfect. Nice. I didn't even see that coming. I didn't either. I thought he was just going to say Jerry. Or like Ends in a joyous or joyous gorgeous dwarf. Gorgeous dwarf. Gorge dwarf. Fallout dwarf. Fallout dwarf. Duh. Why wouldn't it be that? What what else do we have? We don't want to keep you. This this is kind of oh, time. I have two things. I checked my list. Um, you choreographed camp, which goes down in any theater nerds. I I oversaw camp. I'm I'm Michelle Lynch really did the work. Michelle Lynch, who was uh -huh. my associate on on Hairspray and on a lot of shows, but um, uh, when Todd asked me to do it. I said, absolutely, absolutely, but I was already um, contracted to do something else during the filming process. So I worked with everybody during the rehearsal period, mm -hmm. and then Michelle went to the shoot up, up at the camp and, and did it all, but she did it all. Yeah. How was that? I mean, you have baby Anna okay. Kendrick, you have baby Sasha Allen, you have baby Robin okay, DeSus, so Anna Kendrick, right? Stephen Cutts. <laughs> Anna Kendrick, I mean all of them, spectacular. Um, Anna Kendrick was 13? Sure. Yeah. I think something maybe. So I didn't even knew she knew who I was. I, winning, winning the Tony Award for Kinky Boots. I'm backstage. I just walk off the stage and I've got the Tony Award in my hand and the cast is like, yeah, because they're in the wings getting ready to go on. And I'm walking around the edge and here comes... And Kendrick and this guy went, Jerry, congratulations. And I'm like, how does she know who I am? How does she know who I am? She's Anna Kendrick. And then I went, and then I walked past her and I go, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Re remember the film Camp? Remember when you sang um, Ladies Who Lunch? I mean, to be fair, you were just probably Ricky, on set with a coffee. My, part, my partner Ricky was in the last five years. He danced in the last five yes, years. Yes, he did. He choreographed. So... It all worked out. It's all a little, little community. Well, thank you in for being like a semi-sponsor of this podcast. A lot of people in your world have already been on. We talk about you incessantly. Not really, but kind of. <laughs> um, uh, just because a lot of Kinky Boots people and a lot of Legally Blonde. And, um, yeah, I mean, Natalie is who brought 
us together and Legally Blonde brought me to Natalie. (laughs) You know my Natalie story? You know Natalie hiring Natalie's story for the first time for Legally Blonde? No, please tell it. Um, Donna... Vivino. Vivino Mm -hmm. was originally playing Enid in the readings of Kinky Boots and... I mean, of... uh, Legally Blonde. Blonde. And two weeks before we were supposed to go into rehearsal, she... For the Broadway show to go to San mm-hmm. Francisco, out of town, she pulled out because she got something else. Maybe it was Wicked. I don't. I don't remember what she got, but she got something else. I don't think it was Wicked. I think it was something else. It was a big role for her, and I was distraught and beside myself. And oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So Telsey sets up some gals to come in, and we're sitting in the room, and we're seeing the girls, and they're coming in one at a time. And there's quite a long list. And Natalie Joy comes in, and I had seen her in Bear, I think. Yes. Right? Um, oh, yeah. And didn't think too much of her from that, because I, I wasn't a fan of Bear. But um, she came in, and she was unbelievable. <laughs> and she walked, I said, would you just wait outside for one minute? She said, sure. And I she walked out the door, and I went like this. I went, the audition's over. I'm hiring that girl. I said, does anybody, does anybody have, have a, have, does anybody feel differently? And they all were like, we love her. I said, I don't want to see anybody else. I got two weeks. This girl is Enid. She's going to play the part. And I went to the door. I opened the door. I said, I said, honey, I said, will you play Enid on Broadway for me? And she went, she started She's crying. crying. Of course yeah. she did. And I went, great, I'll see you in two weeks. Thanks. Oh. And I closed the door. And I hired her on the spot. I love doing that. When you see somebody <laughs> and you know it's it's the perfect fit, you just go with it, right? She has said on this podcast that the most nervous she's ever been on a stage was when Michelle Obama was at Kinky Boots. And she always has a rap. She always has a rap in your shows. And she had to rap in front of the first lady. <laughs> And she said she got through it, but she, she was never more nervous than that moment. <laughs> we love her. She's kind of our third co-host. Yeah, she pops in from time to time. She's the best. Frequent She's correspondent. The best. Where can people find you? Online? Yes. Do you have anything to plug that we haven't already? And how can people follow you and um, keep up with you? You can follow my shows and everything I'm busy doing on <laughs> Instagram, Jammy Prod. On Instagram, Jemmy Prod. Mm-hmm. And go see Pretty Woman. It's Pretty Woman. The Nederlander. I have and to see that. My friend Andy, Matt Farcher's in that. Matt, Orfe. Past guest of the podcast. We did Natalie. And the amazing Samantha. And the incredible Eric. Original Kinky Boots member. Oh. They're all spectacular. They're spectacular. Natalie was in the room for our Orfe interview, and we played Paulette Roulette. <laughs> and I printed out sides. <laughs> And we had to see which Paulette jumped in with the correct line first. It was the most fun I've ever had. <laughs> and on that note, yeah, yeah. thank you so much thank you. for Happy to do allowing that. us into your room. Here we are. Gorgeous it's apartment. Fierce. Gorgeous. Greg Barnes. Greg Barnes. We're Greg surrounded Barnes. by Lola legendary L- items. In the Room with Stephen and Dana is produced by Stephen Farizee and Dana Craig. 
Special thanks to Joel Wagoner for tinkling the ivories on our theme song. Hit him up at joelwagoner.com. We apologize, and you're welcome. We'd also like to thank Jesse Wiener, W-I-E-N-E-R, for our jazzy original music sprinkled throughout each episode. You can find him at jessewiener.com. Last but certainly not least, we'd like to thank Kevin Thomas Garcia for taking all of our ridiculous photos. You can find him online at ktgnyc.com. We are all over the internet on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at InTheRoomPod. Follow us, like us, share us, pimp us out. And don't forget to subscribe to In The Room Podcast. We everywhere, so subscribe. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.